This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from One Trust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security again HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Michael Saka. Today we talked to Simeon, the managing director of Techstars Boston. Guys, what'd you think? This was really interesting. He talked about how to know who the right CEO for your company is. Oftentimes it's not you. And the qualities and kind of the situations he posed to us were really something to think about. Yeah, he talks about the skills that are required to be a CEO. And some of those are pretty difficult and and things you have to learn the hard way, like building a team and inspiring them. And he talks about cases where people were able to do that and, and other cases where they weren't. Yeah. So let's get into it. 
we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes managing and purchasing domain names simple and easy. I talked to the customer service rep, Roger, about what he does outside of work. I steal, I steal a few hours maybe in the wee hours of the night to do some dedicated gaming. Uh, but I do pay the price in the morning when I got to get up early. I do enjoy music production too. I kind of dabble with some, uh, you know, kind of digital music production. But again, that is another area that I, I don't get a lot of time to delve into. So Get 10% off your entire first order by using the code SATISFIEDCUSTOMERS, all one word, at Hover.com. Chargeify makes setting up and managing your recurring revenue or subscription business incredibly simple. Anyone who's ever set this up from scratch knows just how much work it really is. So let Chargeify handle it for you. Customer signups, onboarding, billing, and retention. And then you can focus on the things that are most important to you, growing your business. If you go to Chargeify.com forward slash Rocketship, they're offering 20% off three months exclusively for Rocketship listeners. That's Chargeify.com forward slash Rocketship. You've heard me rave about Codeship before. It's because they're an incredible team building an amazing product that makes my days happier and my code more reliable. Recently, they shipped an incredible new feature. It's called Parallel CI, and it allows for faster testing than ever before. Early access customers like Product Hunt have improved their development speed tremendously. If you haven't yet, tell your dev team to start a free trial. They have a super generous free plan, and they also offer 20% off three months to all Rocketship listeners. Sign up at codeship.com forward slash Rocketship. So tell us a little bit about your role at Techstars so people listening kind of understand. Well, I'm the managing director of the Boston program. So I'm responsible for the overall operation, you know, all, all aspects of it, from recruiting teams and, and selecting them to, to running the program, picking the mentors, and directly helping the companies for sure, but also sort of coordinating other people uh, in the network to help them. And how many classes are you guys doing a year now through Boston? We're doing a little bit more than one a year. Okay. So it's like one and a half you're it's running one, through? One and a quarter for a year, basically. Okay, cool. Um, and so when you guys are taking in those applications, how many applications are you seeing in that process? Yeah, something like, I don't know, we're over a thousand. Over a thousand. And you're picking, how big's the class? Uh, we've had 12 companies in the last class. So it's a little okay. larger. Most of the programs are 10, 10 companies per class. So that's a very high Slightly higher, but, but it's pretty close to that number. Yeah, it's, it's a very high competition, of course. Yeah. And we do uh, also uh, recruit pretty far and wide. Like I've, I've spent two months in Europe just now. I'm on the tail end of a long trip in between my sessions, going to every country, you know, speaking to groups of startups, to investors, other accelerators, um, trying to get the very best of the best to come and apply. So what are you looking for specifically in, in people who are applying? Because I know there's a lot of diversity in the companies that come through, but what is it that you're really looking for? <laughs> I wish I could, could say it in so many words. I don't really know how to describe it, right? Aside from the words I already used. Passionate. Uh, people, who, people who are both really passionate, people who understand who their customer is, who want to build something for that customer, who are motivated by like a burning desire, not a, not a slight desire, but a real burning desire to do something great for somebody. Those are the people who end up building great businesses. People who are, who've made strong teams, like very strong, uh, complementary teams of people 
people who strike us as being able to actually do it. Like we have to intuitively judge that these people can achieve the impossible. You know, building a company from scratch is almost impossible, right? It's a very difficult thing to do, right? For a big company, I mean, a big, successful, impactful company is very hard to build. So I have to judge the founders and say, you know what? I can see this. I can see these guys taking it really, really far. They, they have to have built big vision for sure. Um, they have to have the passion, but they also have to have like some indication to, to execute and succeed. And I can't say exactly like how to prove that. I mean, certainly stuff you've done in the past is important. Um, I, I generally find that the motives are a very big predictor. Like skills are useful for sure, but motivations are a bigger predictor than having skills in, as to your ability to actually do something hard. And the ability to inspire yeah. others is very, very important. Uh, so they have to be inspirational. They can't be like sort of boring. If that makes sense. Yeah, we've spoken with some investors before about uh, qualities that they look for in founders before they invest. And I'm sure there's obviously a lot of similarities with who you're looking to bring into the accelerator. But there's a lot of contradictions there because you hear a lot like, you know, we want someone who's confident but humble and someone who trusts their gut and knows what they want but also takes in feedback from other people oh, and can work as a team. And there's so many contradictions. It seems yeah. like you're kind of looking for something that's hard to even put your finger on. You know, those contradictions are exactly what we're looking for. I don't see a contradiction. I think it's an, I think unusual combination would be a better description than contradiction. Frequently those qualities don't go together in people. So we're looking for exceptional people who can, who can marry those qualities. Someone who can be decisive yet, know how to listen. Most people who are really good at listening are not very decisive and make terrible CEOs. But there are some people who, despite being amazing, decisive CEOs who go and move and don't give up and just push forward and inspire others to follow before seeing all the details, despite that quality, they also know how to listen. It's rare. And sometimes we think we can help, right? We don't see everything, right? But we think we can maybe coach and help a person to be more like that. So give us an example of how a company has proven to you in this very like quick process um, that they that they maybe contain some of those qualities. Yes, I have to be honest. It's a gut decision. It's not. It's not okay. Um, analytical. It's intuitive. I use my intuition. I listen to others and ask them their opinion for sure. And but but a lot of it is just you know I've been investing for like twenty five years and. Uh, I've seen a lot of different things and I have a sense, a judgment, you know, and, and yeah, I, I don't have, beyond what we've already said, I don't have like a magic formula. Was there ever a company that surprised you when they came in that you thought, well, maybe there's some potential here, but then really kind of flourished after being part of the program? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think uh, people always never cease to surprise me. People are the most interesting thing in the world to me, you know, they're more complicated than I don't know, product, software. Like the the mm. mind of a, of a person is fascinating and deep and, and beautiful and, and full of potential. You know, I do believe that like most people can achieve amazing things and these people in particular are particularly likely to achieve amazing things. Um, but in that process, yeah, it's never very linear. It's not like I know exactly what's going to happen. I don't know. I don't really know these people when they come in. I get to know them pretty well during the three months though, let me tell you, because we have a, pretty trusting environment and we push each other really hard. And 
uh, it, it, you know, in that context, like intense things happen. You know, people drive themselves to the point of exhaustion. Uh, people face their real, like deep fears. Um, you know, they, they stake their reputation on the line. You know, they, they commit to their businesses. And so, and they commit to each other. And things fall out in the interim. Sometimes teams, you know, fall apart. Sometimes people, like CEOs change in a company, for example. That's something that happens within. It didn't happen in the last class, but the previous class happened to a couple of companies. Um, and sometimes that's very painful. Sometimes it's, it's great, you know, other times it's hard. Um, but I'd say most people who go through the program at some point, you know, hit some real pain and emerge from that in, in ways that are difficult to predict, but, but hopefully, you know, they come out stronger and better people. Like, like anyone else who goes through, you know, a tough boot camp of any sort. What kind of success milestones are you looking for when a company applies? Are you looking for people that are already profitable and operational, a certain uh, number of team members that they have, any milestones? Yeah, there's a range. You know, we have a pretty big uh, diversity of stage, I would say. Profitable would be unusual. Um, revenues would be quite common, right? And a company is usually spinning off a lot of profit when it's growth slow. So well, these companies tend to be focusing on growth, right? They have something to invest in. And so if they're profitable, it's pretty brief. They tend to, they, they tend to have enough of an exciting uh, market potential that they want to invest whatever funds are available to them in growing faster. So they're unlikely to show profits, but they're quite likely to have some revenues. And some of them are pre-revenue, some of them have revenues already. Um, the size of the revenues varies, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, half a million is not infrequent, you know, a couple of million is, is less common, but, but we sometimes see several million in revenues, um, in an, in, you know, before the program. So what is, what is Techstars offer to a company that's making $2 million a year? Um, how do you even get those companies interested in coming through the program and what's your goal in working with them? Um, which is probably a little bit different than someone coming in that is pre-revenue. Well, you know, it turns out you, you kind of end up working on different things with every company anyway. And uh, what are some of the differences? It depends. Uh, one, there's multiple reasons why companies still need to come in. I would say two million revenues in general. So I, I, I would almost argue that it would be very unusual for a company to feel like they can't benefit from a program just because they have a couple million in revenues. That's like, that's not that big a deal. We reject many companies that have two million in revenues too. Um, in fact, I'd say the great majority of companies that apply that have that many revenues don't get in also. Um, it is a really good measure of initial traction, but uh, what, so one, well, there's different things that they can uh, focus on. One possible thing is for an even larger company, let's say a company with more revenues than that, um, I'm talking to a couple right now in Europe, uh, who might come over. And they, in their case, they would need a lot of help transitioning from a European market to the U.S. market. And while they have some, they typically companies like this have raised a few million in capital as well. So they, they have some connections and some ability to, to fundraise, but it's limited. So we have a really deep and strong network, right? Our network goes very deep, but it's also very strong. People are really likely to help each other inside our network. And if you're coming over from, from Europe, well, so CodeShip was fairly early. They had some revenues, but they didn't have millions. They had you know, thousands. Um, but even had they had millions, had they, let's say, gone after the Austrian market first and been doing a few million just in Austria, we could save them a year of, of networking and building their connections in America and have them hit really hard and be able to you know, get, get the wisdom of uh, being able to address the U.S. market faster. 
Um, in that case, yeah, maybe that's a bad example. They are more of a global market anyway. Um, but you know, it just it just depends on, on exactly what they need. Different people need different things. You know, some people bootstrap a company to a large level, but they've never they don't know how to grow fast, and, and they don't they they've taken some time to get there, and they are let's say profitable, but they realize there's a much bigger opportunity. And so again, we we get the right mentors to help them change into a high growth, maybe raise some money for the first time, right? Um, I mean, ultimately, look, mentorship is actually often more effective when you have revenues on, on that order of like between, let's say, half a million and, and a couple of million. You know, that's a time when you've gone to your, you don't have product market fit yet. It's not enough revenues to say you have product market fit, but it's enough to where you've gone after some segment of the market, you've tried some marketing strategies and you have some data as to what's not working. And that's a great moment for really experienced mentors, people who have built very big companies, to be able to take in that data and help the founder decide how to shift their strategy to focus in on something that will make them grow much faster. Sometimes in the very beginning, it takes a different kind of mentor to be able to help because a lot of very strong mentors can't help as much pre-revenues because there's just not enough data or because the founders need to spend their time building product. So, you know, we have other people who can help then, you know, people who are maybe more building on a pro- helping on the product side initial customer discussions but there's just you can give a different kind of help at a different stage what's an example of a Techstars company that you feel like our listeners could learn from their story gosh I, I needed these questions in advance <laughs> sorry uh, you know if you want to go look through the list I mean there's you know, any company you can learn from their story. The successful ones and the failures you can learn right, from this. Right, right. What, what is, is there one that kind of sticks out that, that would resonate with people who may want to go through Techstars um, and, and either, you know, what to do or what not to do? There were 12 companies in the last class and we can go through the list. Well, yeah, maybe we could just pick a couple and, um, and, and you could kind of tell us uh, about what they're doing and, and what was their experience inside of Techstars. Yeah, that's the part I'm not prepared for. Is that notion okay, of okay. Well, we could skip that then. Um, do that, right? Investors pick a couple. We we really try to help all twelve. You know, so it's it's not. I'm not. I'm not trying to like avoid your question. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's a little unnatural. It's hard for me to do. I could, I'm sure I could pick a couple, but it's, it comes a little hard because I'm actually really, really, really like think of it as as, as a team. They all friends. They all help each other. Okay. They work at each other's companies, and they're all so different. You know. I almost like you know. Let me let me at least pick half of them. A couple is hard to pick out. A couple out of a class. <laughs> okay, no, that's fair. So, I, I, let's talk about. I, I mean, give me a criteria. So we had we had two that got sort of VC funding early in the process in the last class. Those were Indico Data and uh, Splash Score, now now called Maverick. So, uh, what are some lessons? Um, you know, two very different companies. Indico was a bunch of kids still in college, um, very, very, very early in the process. But they, they, it was about machine learning, and they were brilliant. They just they understood machine learning and where it's going and how to use it and what people want in the space, and uh, they, they had great maturity. So lessons, you know, they had lots of lessons to learn in because it was super inexperienced in building a business. You mentioned that that he's in college, and some of these skills that you're saying you're looking for, like building a team, inspiring them, having a growth mindset, those aren't things that you necessarily have before going through the process of starting a company. So do you find that a lot of the people that get into the program are not first-time founders? There's quite a few serial entrepreneurs. I'd say 
if you look at all our companies, at least in the Boston program, it's been more first-time founders than anything else. Um, we've had some serial entrepreneurs as well. There's a little video at Techstars where they interview a whole bunch of like super strong serial entrepreneurs, people with larger revenue companies, why they still went in. You know, we show that to people who are skeptical about whether they still need it, right? Um, but in my last class, we had some large, yeah, we had two or three second times entrepreneurs. And then, you know, those, um, that, that particular group from, you know, obviously they were first time, they were very young. It was a concern about, my, my biggest concern with them was, you know, are you all going to really drop out of school? And they, they did. They all dropped out of school and have done fantastically well. You know, got tremendous investor support behind them. Uh, got a whole bunch of users very, very quickly, very early. So it was just a question of like having not just brilliant tech, but also uh, an ability to understand customers, which is it's very rare for, for young, brilliant people. You know, it's rare. These, these are rare people. So have you seen... Um, trends year after year with the types of companies people are trying to start? Like you mentioned machine learning. Are you seeing things like more on the, the tech side? Are you seeing people trying to solve problems that are already being solved in a better way? Uh, what kind of trends are you seeing like overall? Well, there's definitely uh, groups of similar companies applying from time to time, right? It, it, there's, of course, lots of people working on the same things. I try not to pay attention to the trends. I mean, I know a lot of investors really do. They try to catch the trend and invest in the trend. And I try not to do that. I try to focus on the individual. Um, and I, I'm wary of people who are trying to figure out the trends in order to decide which company to start. I'm more comfortable with a team that starts a company because they really care about the outcome. And maybe they, they don't even consider like all the possible businesses they could start. They just, there's this business and they can't help. They, they, they can't not start it. Like they got to do it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Sometimes they stop being in a hot area, right? Like these machine learning guys. Right, like right. They, they decide to do machine learning because investors all of a sudden are excited about machine learning. These guys live and breathe machine learning. Like that, that's who they are, right? The whole team. And there's a big team. It's like a six-person team. Wow. How do they balance six founders? Like, what have you seen as, as young guys um, kind of coming up? How have they balanced the roles when they have six people that all kind of started out on this journey together? The, the first critical thing is the right CEO. Okay. That's, that's one that you can't really do without. A lot of these teams, especially the early first-time founder teams, a lot of them have the wrong CEOs. Because they have no idea who should be the CEO. Mm-hmm. Like, whoever... To have the idea first is like automatically the CEO. But once you have three or four good founders, it actually makes a lot of sense to step back and figure out which one of them should be the CEO and whether that should be interim or whether they should like be the CEO to grow a company or whether they should go find the CEO. Okay. Like that, those are questions worth asking. And we always ask those questions uh, because you really, you know, let's say a person is analytical and decisive. There's no way you're going to succeed. There's just no way in hell. Okay. Unless that person changes and changing is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and, and qu- change to fast enough for that, for that company to succeed. Yeah. I've seen people change. Yeah. But I feel a lot more people try to change and fail. Okay. So I, we've heard decisive a lot. Are those like when a team has maybe two or three people that want to be the CEO, decisiveness seems to be a factor. What are some of the other factors that determine or, or that you guys kind of push to say like you, you have the qualities to make the good leadership role. Right. Well, they, it's usually it's an external facing job, right? So the person who's managing the team inside doesn't have to be the CEO. It could be like an operations person. The CEO has to be able to articulate the, the message, right? They have to be able to 
to speak and, and write and communicate in such a way as to inspire other people to believe in the business. Mm-hmm. I mean, ideally internally and externally, but critically externally. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and although, you know, you can, you can do either, right? You can have an internal facing CEO, external facing CEO as the company grows, but you've got to get the team behind you, you've got to listen, analyze quickly, make a decision, and then run with it for a while and inspire. You have to get people to trust you. Like, people on your team have to trust you to make a mistake. Like, a CEO will make the wrong decision. Yeah. Right? They're going to listen to everyone, make a decision. It won't always be the right decision. But people have to trust that, all right, it's better to have the wrong decision than no decision. Let's move forward for a while, get some data, make the next decision, change direction, act for figuring out whether it works or not. The worst thing is when people start, I told you so, let's argue, let's change our mind. <laughs> right. really, or you have a chance to actually get anywhere. Then you fail. Yeah. You simply fail. Or, you know, arguing is great. Like the teams who never argue are very scary. Like they need to argue, uh, but they need to argue constructively. And the arguments have to, the right CEO, you know, allows enough argument but then ends the argument with the decision and moves the company forward. Yeah. Makes everyone else trust them to do so right or wrong for long enough. Trust that they'll be right more than they're wrong and you know, it's better to just, you, and delegate. Like, they also have to delegate. They can't micromanage everything. They have to let other people on the team own parts of the business yeah. and trust them with it. Yeah, that's um, a very hard thing to do. You had mentioned an interim CEO. How do teams decide on um, you know, which, which way to go? Like, are you the permanent CEO? Do we need a CEO? How do they know when? Because I, I feel like most people who are venturing out on their own aren't venturing out to necessarily find someone else to, you know, lead their idea. Yeah, you know, in the beginning, it's often like everyone wants to be CEO. But after people learn a little bit about the business, mm-hmm. there's, some, there's a couple of reasons why people want to be a CEO. You know, one is that they're really the right CEO. Another is that they have a huge ego and they can't get over themselves, and then they're probably the wrong CEO. The founders need to, to deal with that. Of course, they could have the ego and be the right CEO, in which case it's fine. Yeah. Uh, but, not a, I, but, but what a lot of people discover who don't have, you know, whose egos aren't too big to discover it, they discover that it's actually a terrible job. It's a really hard job. And the, the non-CEO co-founders have a way better deal. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's extremely draining emotionally you know you can't you now Techstars does alleviate some of that because we let CEOs hang out together and get very close personal bonds between CEOs of companies mm-hmm. a CEO of a company has a huge burden to bear you just cannot share all of your fears doubts and negativity with your teammates all the time they share theirs with you and you have to put on a happy face and cheer them up and play parent yeah it's hard yeah and it, it's just, it's not that you're the smartest or the best or whatever. You often have, you don't have, it's not usually the highest IQ person on the team that's the CEO, right? It's the leader. And it's, it's a hard job. It's very tough. And a lot of people realize, like, you know what? I, 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 this is not what I want to do for the next X year. Yeah. Plus, there's like people who are like engineers who just realize they really want to be an engineer. Yeah. yeah. Or, or marketing person or a salesperson. I mean, a CEO also doesn't really get to do anything themselves after a while. And that's another thing that not, it's not for everyone. So what I'd love just to hear, like, what roles are the CEOs taking on? Do you typically see CEOs focused on the sales or the marketing or product? Like, what role do they play in the early stages before everything is delegated? Well, in the very beginning, everyone does all the work. Right? Okay. I mean, you have, 
you only have the founders and you don't have employees and so you know everything's got to get done and you pick each person for the right job you you, you pick you know the, the most critical jobs and the people who can do them best okay so you have CEOs that are running product you have CEOs that are um, you know focused on maybe sales and revenue uh, or funding yeah yeah they have well, your CEO is going to do something. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. No, I was just wondering if there was kind of an area that they they tend to focus on. But it could, it could be engineering. It could be anything. okay. I mean, it's hard. But well, you know what? If the CEO is the lead, the technical lead engineer, that product better be pretty finished. <laughs> right. <laughs> if they go into tech starts and they're raising money and they're growing the business super fast and recruiting amazing sales guys and and just doing a lot of stuff. You know, they're not going to be building that product. So that's okay if they've already built the product and some junior person can just keep it maintained, right? Mm -hmm. Product isn't done, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a good point. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this with us. Where do we keep up with you and and Techstars online? Techstars.com. All right. And are you on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. I'm Semyon Dukac. All right. Techstars, of course, is a Twitter account. I mean, look, I just ran the Boston program. Techstars is huge. We're in like 15 cities now. There's all these different programs, lots of great people. So I'm just a pretty small part of Techstars overall. Well, thanks for coming on and yeah, sharing with us. Thank this you was so great. much. Great. Thanks for having me. Looking for more entrepreneurial advice? Check out this week's Hack the Entrepreneur, where John talked with Jessica Turner on the fringe hours and making time for your business. So I work full time, but then I have this business on the side, a lifestyle blog called The Mom Creative. And I am really diligent about planning my content and keeping an editorial calendar and staying on track and working ahead. And I also get up early every single morning. I'm up by five every morning. And I use that time from five to about 6.30 before my family gets up to just focus on my business. Go to hacktheentrepreneur.com or search Hack the Entrepreneur in iTunes today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And make sure to check out our app discount section where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, Woo Themes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a Rocketship listener. So go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials.